opportunity to worship um, the Lord some more before we go home. Amen. I love that. Someone is excited about worship, you know. I tell you what, if you have never really, if you don't get excited about worship, you're missing out on something. You're missing out on something real special because sometimes it's even more important that we, 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 we actually find ourselves in the presence of God than anything else. You see, attaching his presence can make a whole difference in your life. I'm reminded of a woman who needed healing in the Bible. She had, had been dealing with an issue um, uh, with her life, almost all her life, and she needed a miracle. And she knew that if Jesus would, if she would just get close enough to Jesus, if she would just have contact with God, that she believed in her heart that something was going to happen, that uh, she was going to receive her miracle. And um, when, whenever Jesus went out to, to preach and teach, there were a lot of people around. There are a lot of crowds. People knew that if they could get in contact with him, that they would be healed. They would receive what they're needing. And this woman pressed on through the crowds, and she couldn't get close enough. She was, I'm supposing she probably was not very big or strong. Maybe she was weak because she was dealing with an issue in her life. But she persisted and pressed forward. And the best she could get, it says, was the hem of his garment. And when she touched the hem of his garment, the Bible says that the Lord turned around and says, who touched me? Because he felt a power. Because you know what it was? It was a faith that persisted. A faith that says, Lord, I'm not leaving until I've touched you. And you know, today we came to a service like any other. But let me tell you, God doesn't. God gave us the days and the, and the months. God doesn't exist in this context of days and weeks. Days and weeks were created for us. See, the story of creation, it says that in the beginning, God. God was. God is. God will always be. But as he created things... This concept of days and, 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 and weeks and months came about because God set it in motion. Not because God needed. God doesn't need a day. God brought it about in motion for you and for me. See, he created the days um, so that we would have a break and we would learn and have an opportunity for refreshing. You see, it says that weeping may endure for the night, but his joy comes in the morning. Um, those sorrow may endure. That's the same. It's repeated several times. Sorrow may last for a night. His joy comes in the morning. His mercies are new every morning. See, God set it in place for us. How many know that I can use a little bit of mercy every single day? I, have, I think about every single hour, every single minute, I need mercy. You know, we need mercy from God. So he created that for us. So, so, so today, November 11, 2019, this is the day that the Lord has made. Don't take it for granted. And when we come to gather together, we're not just singing songs to warm up and feel good. Our goal is to touch the hem of his garment. Our whole, whole goal is because worship prepares our hearts. You see, when, when we get in his, the Lord's presence, what's being said from his word grabs and does more for us than when we just come in casually. Uh, Matthew, uh, um, uh, not Matthew, Mark chapter 4, where that's where we're going to be speaking from. 
And I already started preaching if you haven't figured that out already. Matthew chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, not Matthew. Mark, Mark. The shorter version of Matthew. Mark and Matthew, they, they write the same things, but Matthew, uh, M- Mark tend to get to the point a lot quicker. I would have been more friends with Matthew, not Mark. I was like, sit down, relax, have a good time, you know. So, Mark chapter 4. It says, once again, Jesus began teaching by the lake shore. And the title of the message today is Life Producing Seed. That's what I titled it. Get from it what you could. (laughs) And once again, Jesus began teaching by the lake shore. And a very large crowd soon gathered around him. So, he got into a boat. Then he sat in the boat while all the people remained on the shore. He taught them by telling them many stories in form of parables, such as this one. Listen, Jesus said, a farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered across his fields, some of the field, uh, the seed fell on footpaths, and birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plant soon wilted under the hot sun, and since it did not have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among thorns and, and that grew and, uh, and, and, and uh, grew up and choked out the tender plants so that they produced no grain. Still, other seed fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted, grew, and produced cr- a crop that was 30, 60, and even a hundred times as much as had been planted. Then he said, anyone with with ears to hear should listen and understand. Another translation says, let him who has an ear, let him hear. Later on, when Jesus was alone with the 12 disciples and with the others who gathered around, they asked him, what was the parable, what what the parable meant? And he replied, You are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God. But as I, but I use parables for everything I say to the outsiders so that the scripture might be fulfilled. That when they see what I do, they will learn nothing. When they hear what I say, they will not understand. Otherwise, they will turn to me and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, if you cannot understand the meaning of these parables, how will you understand all the other parables? The farmer plants the seed by taking God's word to others. The seed fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. It says the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. They're not contending with it. They're not fighting it. They love it. They even will give the pastor a few amen, glory, hallelujah. Preach it, brother. You got it. But since they do not have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away, and as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word, the seed that fell among thorns represents those who hear God's word and are all too quickly, and all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life. I call them distractions, the sideshows. 
there are a lot of sideshows that go around. You hear the word, you say, God, you know, I'm committed. God, I, 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 wanna, I, I want this year to be different. I want to have meaning. I want to I, I, I produce fruit for your kingdom. I want my life to have a purpose and meaning. I want to be all that I can be in Jesus' name. But then the sideshows begin to happen. The distractions of this life. Sometimes in big and small ways. Just life. How many know that life happens? And you cannot predict what happens in life. This is what's interesting. It's that none of us know even what would happen this afternoon. But how many know life happens? And these are the ones that says that life happens. When life happens, they get distracted. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus talks about worry. He says, do not worry about your life. Don't worry about your life. Can you look at someone next to you and say, don't worry about your life. That's a word of the Lord from us. Because we have a tendency to worry. We want to know the answer. We want to know the outcome of, what, of anything that we put our effort in. We, we, we get worried all too often over nothing. And says, don't worry. If you're in Christ, if you're grounded in me, don't worry about your life. If your life is in Christ, then worry shall have no room in your heart. I'm not saying don't plan, don't, don't work hard, don't do anything. No, it says don't worry. You're attempting to control things that you have no control over. And it will make no difference in your life when you worry. In fact, in that same passage, when he's giving that story, he says, how many of you by worrying can add one hair in your head? I used to have some of those. <laughs> it says, don't worry. But it says, the problem, there are too many of us that hear God's word, but then the issues of life begin to happen, and we start worrying. We start worrying about our money. Our health, our finances, our children, our job. You put a name over there, I don't know what keeps you up at night. We worry too much, and God says it's not going to help your life. He says your father loves you. He already knows everything that is to know about you. He's got a plan for your life. He says, I know the plans that I have concerning you. They are plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a future, to give you a hope. And Jesus in that same passage, he goes on and illustrates. He says, hey, you think about the birds and how they just um, <clears throat> live, go about their lives. They live and, and, and he's giving, giving all life, um, giving uh, examples of life, of things that just tend to take care of itself. And he says, God said, your father values you more than the animals out there, than the grass in the field. He has more value in you than anything that's out there. He says, other than worrying about your life, you will be better off if you concern yourself with the things of the kingdom. He says, seek you first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. He says, if you concern yourself with the things of the kingdom, because that's all Jesus ever preached, was the kingdom of God. 
You know, what did he tell his disciples when he came? When he sent them out, he says, go and tell people that the kingdom of God is here. That the kingdom of God is here. He says, if you're concerned about the kingdom of God, you watch and see how things in your life will begin to fall into place. You watch how things in your job, things in your family, your finances, things that you need will begin to come together. You don't add by worrying, but you gain. You have a lot to gain when you put God first in your life and mean it. He says, the, the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, verse 19, and the desire for things, so no fruit is produced in their lives. Verse 20. And the seed that fell on the good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as was planted. See, in every seed, God's put a potential. God's put an ability for it to reproduce itself. If you go to Genesis chapter 1, the story of creation. God creates a lot of things. He says, let there be light. And there was light according to his word. And he creates the universe, the physical universe as we know it. He did all that by just a spoken word. And the galaxies appeared. Billions and billions we know. In, in, almost impossible to comprehend how great and majestic the galaxy is. And we know this in the physical universe. No beginning, no end. Impossible to wrap our mind around it. And in the story of creation, everything that had life, God puts in it an ability for it to reproduce itself. When he created the plant, he says he created seed-bearing plants. He created, when he created human beings, he says, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. So everything that had life in it, God put an ability for it to reproduce after its own kind. In each of us, he puts life. In a spiritual way, when we came to Christ Jesus, God put a place, a seed, the seed of God in each one of us. But you know what's really telling about this parable that Jesus explained? There's one, well, several things, but one of the things that stand out to me is that the issue had, uh, was never the seed. The issue was the ground that it was planted in. Because the farmer went about and scattering seed. Oh, that's now state of Nebraska, right? The guy on the capital sowing seeds, right? That's the image they want us to think about. The farmer goes out, but he says he had different kinds of results. Not that the seed was not good, not that the seed was wrong, it's that the seed fell on the wrong ground. And there's a principle here. Just a deviation. There's a principle that you can see throughout the scriptures from Genesis chapter 1. I could dwell on that. I never even go past the first six verses. And we could talk about the seed principle. And it works in everything in life. 
It works in everything in life. You know, scientists can study and see seeds that they, they can run tests and find that there's nothing wrong and that, it's, uh, that the, the seed that has full, is full of life. If it's an apple seed, it can reproduce more apples. If it's corn, it can produce over. But if the seed is not planted in the right place, the right environment, the right soil, its results will be limited. In some cases, even the seed itself gets lost. And um, just a little deviation here, he says, you know, that seed matters. It matters. It matters who you crowd yourself with. It matters who speaks into your life. It matters who you're with. If you're around people that are always pulling you down, planting wrong seeds, it's, oh, yeah, you can't do that. Have you? You'll start believing that. You'll start living. You'll start having less expectations of yourself, less expectation about the outcome of your life. And so your bar will be just down here. And you will live a mediocre life and look at the end and say, wow, what have I done with my life? That's why in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25, he says, do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as it is the manner of some. In other words, don't, don't, don't get yourself separated from the people of God. Find yourself some people that spark your faith, that challenge your faith. I tell you, and when we look around, I'm going to tell you, you're not surrounded by perfect people. If you thought you were, I'm sorry, you're, I'm sorry to break it to you and bust your bubble today, you are surrounded by imperfect people. But God instituted us coming together because we challenge each other. We grow together. I learned from the way you walk. says, man, I know you're struggling with this right now, but I remember when I did. Or my friend was. But we're going to stand together and believe God. I know that you're going to go through this system. This does not define you, but it's going to end. I know it because I've seen it over and over again. You know, you, you hear that from, from the pulpit is one thing. It's another thing when another brother that looks a lot like you says, hey, I know what you're going through. I've been through that way. And I thought that I would break, but by the grace of God, I didn't break. I thought it would take me out. I didn't even have the strength within me to, to go through this, but somehow, some way, I can't even explain how it happened, but it says His grace is sufficient for you and His strength is made perfect in your weakness. I'm like, I didn't do it. I know it's not me. I cannot brag about this. I know the Lord saw me through by His grace. And I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to stand with you. I may not have the answers for you, but to tell you what, bro, tell you what, sister, I'm standing with you. If you go down, you're not going down alone because we'll come back up again. Though a righteous man may fall seven times, he shall rise up again. Amen. It concerns me that the enemy has become such, he's mastered this, the distractions. And we are not as eager as we used to be in time past to get together with believers intentionally to pray together, to stand on the word, to just fellowship. You know, going back to the, the, the story of creation, 
in, in, the, in the Genesis chapter 1, you could explain the days, the mystery of the days. We know it. You know, people in Bible times did not understand what we understand. Well, maybe they did. But there are some that did not understand why we have a day every day. Why the seasons, you know, right now it's fall and we know what's coming. I mean, I may not like cold weather. I may not like snow. I know I'm talking to a sister. I'm looking around. I don't see her because I'm going to go to Florida in the, when it's cold. I, I know some of us don't like that, but we know it's coming. And it's all tied to just one simple thing of our position on this globe. And as it takes its trip around the sun, and the seasons come over, and we can explain this physically. We can explain the days. We can explain how we have approximately 30-day months. We can explain that. But the seven-day week is a spiritual covenant in the first part of the Bible. It says, and on the seventh day, the Lord rested. <laughs> God was so tired he had to rest. He did not. He was not tired. He did not need rest. He instituted the Sabbath. Because it's six days you shall work. And it's not in the legalistic kind of sense. Because the principles teach us something. And that's why we have the seven day week. He has no physical explanation for it. But God set it in motion when things started. And just like the parable we read of those guys that will hear the word of God and then life will happen. We get so distracted, we don't put the first things first. We think, oh, I can't do it today. Well, I'll skip for the next, and then I'll skip it for the next. And before you know it, you're, 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 you're really riding on empty and you have no idea. You think you got it, but you're losing because God's building you from precept upon precept, line upon line. He's building up something out of you. And the more of God's word works within your spirit and within your heart and you begin to respond to the word of God, fruit in every area of your life is beginning to be produced. You know, um, um, I was reading this um, parable and uh, this, in October, we had a really an awesome month. Um, it was awesome. We had different speakers here um, uh, from different parts of the world. And one of the things that I have seen about our response to God's word, there are times that God brings a message to you. You go to a meeting or you're in a gathering or he speaks to you in a different way. And God brings about a word that's to edify and just to encourage you. You, you come and you're like, man, that word was good. I was feeling a little down, but that's exactly what I needed to, to hear today. You know, I, I, I got this. This week, you know, I was kind of worried about how things are going in my life, but I feel good because I know God is with me and I'm not afraid. I'm just good. And so there are words that come to just energize you, to encourage you, to patch your boxes. Hey, you're doing a good work. Do not 
grow weary in doing good. Don't give up. Uh, for in this season, you're going to reap a harvest if you don't give up. Just keep on doing good. Even when your good is not being appreciated, just keep on doing good. You're all right. Well, they, they, don't, they don't see anything. They don't see my effort. They, they don't appreciate what I'm Let's just keep on doing good because they may not appreciate you, but God keeps good books. He says, in due season, you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. So you get some words sometimes that are just helping you keep on keeping on. Not lose focus. They are encouragement. But there are times that God drops a word that you have to take a step back and say, God, are you wanting me to, to, to take a shift in my life? Words that are redirecting your focus. Or words that maybe narrow your focus. And says, you know, I'm taking you into a new season. And for, for you to get all that I have for you in this new season is going to require singular focus. It's almost narrow. Where... I am just looking at the goal, and I know that even when the first, the day I, I set out to take that one step, I know that even in the mile, the things are going to happen all around me. There'll be a circus show, there will be all sorts of things that will take place, but I am determined to focus because I know, and I know, and I know what the Lord is asking of me. That's illustrated in a story with Jesus and Peter and the storm. You remember that story where, where Peter uh, sees Jesus coming on the water and walking on the water. And Jesus calls out Peter and says, Peter, come on. Come to me, Peter. And Peter says, if it's you, Lord, call me. And he comes and he starts walking on water to meet up Jesus. And as soon as he gets his eyes off of focus... He starts sinking. Now, I know we focus on that sometimes, but Peter was walking on water, by the way. And it was not in the middle of winter in Nebraska where it was frozen H2O. No, because the boat would not be riding, huh? right? Sometimes God brings a word that says, God, what are you trying to say to us? What are you telling us with this? What are you telling me? What, 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 what parts of my life do I need to adjust so that I can align myself with what you're doing on the earth? It says, let him who has an ear, let him hear. Let him who has ears to hear, let him listen and understand. That same line gets repeated in Revelation. Let him who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And you know, as we had these different servants of the Lord uh, that came and gave us some words, if you were not, or if you missed any Sunday in October, uh, you could go to the front page of the website and you'll follow a link that can let you catch up on, 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 on the messages. But I believe that those words that came to us were not one of those, hey, come on, let's get excited about this. And, and, and no, I believe the Lord was repointing us because of what God wants to do in Lincoln, Nebraska, and that it necessitates that we as a people of God, People in this church that we focus and think, God, what are you teaching us? What are you want that, that our hearts need to be ready so that when he's passing, he doesn't pass us by. We used to sing that old hymn. 
that says, do not pass me by, Lord. Do not pass me by. Because there are times where God is moving, but our hearts are not in the right place, so we miss out. Like I said earlier, the problem is not the seed. The problem sometimes is the soil that the seed is planted on. I felt like I prayed over these words. I've re-listened to some of them. It came the first Sunday. And I didn't talk. Let me tell you this. I didn't exchange any notes with any of these servants. Because the people that come in and speak here, people that I know, or I, 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 we have relationship, and I know who they are. And so I didn't even need to say, hey, I want you to speak on this. Oh, would you touch on this? No, no. I know that the men of God that are going to pray, they're not going to come in and give us some uh, um, uh, um, uh, Reader's Digest or whatever. Man's, oh, no, no. I know there are people who pray. There are people who spend time with God. There are people that will, God will di- redirect. Two of them told me I had one message and I was just praying. The Lord says, no, do this. Start with evangelist John Magangi, who goes back to my days of my youth as a teenager when I first came to the Lord. He was one of my pastors, and he gave us a message here. He titled it, A Fig Tree in the Middle of a Vineyard. And the whole message was centered around the idea that God expects fruit from our lives. That God has invested in us. And the figs are fruit-bearing trees. It wasn't just for decorative purposes that God is expecting a product out of our lives. And he gave the illustration of that um, a, a parable that Jesus gives of a farmer who plants again here. He plants a seed and he waits for this tree and after three to five years or so, he gets frustrated because the tree is not producing any kind of fruit. And he went a little further and explained what kind of fruit God wants from our life. The first fruit, he says, is the fruit of character. That when we come to Christ, he changes us. That's when we allow the word of God to love. To, to, we not only accept the word of God, but we, we become not just hearers of the word, but we become doers of the word. We learn something new about God's word, a particular area, and we start to apply those principles in our lives. And before you know it, we are changed and we are being transformed by the word of God. And so we change. Our life begins to look different. I've never really met anybody that has had a true encounter with Jesus Christ and remains the same. You can't help. You cannot help it. You might have touched him, but if you follow Christ, you will be changed. He will bring out of you the better you. You will discover a part of you that you never thought even existed. And sometimes... He'll point out some things about you like, whoa, Lord, I didn't know that about myself, but thank God I got you because you are ever changing me and molding me and transforming me and brushing off the rough edges of my life so that one day when I stand before you, I can be looked at and says, yeah, that's mine. That's welcome to the kingdom, you good and faithful servant, because I've been shaped, transformed. The man I used to be, I'm not that person anymore. The anger I used to possess, I don't have that anymore. My life has been transformed. There's a great change that has happened in my life since I started following Christ. And your life becomes a, a testimony. 
And those who know you best would actually appreciate it the most. It's not that they don't see any flaws or any weaknesses in your life, but the transformation, when transformation happens, it's hard to deny it. And those who know you most, the ones that take longest to be convinced, but when they do, it's like, yeah, that's the real deal. Because it's a fruit of character that God is changing you. And you're willing to say, God, change, change my ways. Change the way I approach relationships and marriage. Change the way I, I approach money. Change the way I approach my, um, um, the way I relate to my kids. I relate to my parents. I relate to my neighbors, my coworkers. Change the way. Challenge my way. When things go wrong in my life, how do I react or respond to the things? Change me, transform me. And that's a fruit of character. That we become more and more like the image of Jesus, who he had designed us to, to be. And, he, and uh, the other fruit he talked about, I don't remember. The last one he talked about <laughs> was the fruit of eternal life. The second fruit, it was the fruit of papers. He says that there's papers. How many remember that? So I want to encourage you. I don't want to re-preach his message, but I believe that every message that was, came out of this pulpit in October are not that, the one of those that just pick me up. I think we need to go back and listen. You see, the Bible says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Sometimes for it to take root, you have to hear it again. And again, and again, and again. Sometimes, some of you need to hear it more times than others. God bless you. But the word will begin to challenge you. I felt, and I listened to it, and I said, God, what are you telling us? Is there something just awesome that you want to bring, you want to do in the city of Lincoln? And you're, you're revealing, you're giving us some tasters, and you're wanting to see if we would... Move into your plan. I say, God, thank you. And then we had a, uh, Pastor Ransford Obeng from Ghana who gave us the word about doing our best for Jesus. Don't hold him back. Don't give the Lord leftovers. At, like when, when we have nothing left, you know. Uh, he says, let me pick on money. It's easy on this one. It's like I went through my budget. I paid everything I have. Do I have anything to give to the Lord? He says, that's the wrong way to look at it. You put the Lord first. And he's going to get everything else worked out. Your time. It's like, oh, well, I, I, I can't really do small groups. I can't really get together with other believers. I can't really come to church every Sunday. What do you expect from me? And you know, it put, I want to put it into context of how much time that is. At the most, it's an hour and a half that we get together. But isn't it interesting that somehow, some way, it's become very hard for us to squeeze in and I and I have to get together with other believers to worship God together with one voice and, and hear his word. And, and also, not just that, but to also fellowship. Do you know it's not so much about, not only about what you get out of it, but also what you give into it. It's not just like, oh, well, they worshiped. And they were not hitting the keys today. Maybe you came today to just tell a brother or a sister to say, hey, man, so good to see you. you I just always love being around you because you're a good man. 
Maybe you're just supposed, that's the best message that that person would hear, not this one here. Sometimes the best message a person hears is one that's out in the lobby. Dan, so good to see you, brother. You're a good man, and I mean it, brother, Dan. God's got plans for your life. Your best days are ahead of you. They're yet to come. You will look back from this day and say, wow, if I had an idea of what God has in store for my life, I would have been enjoyed life a lot more. Because the plans I have concerning you, the Lord says, no eye has seen, no ear has had, neither has it entered into the hearts of men the plans that God has prepared for you. In Jesus' name. Sometimes the word is just an encouragement. And that was a word from the Lord for you, brother. And someone else did that word, and it's a word of God from you. But Satan's managed to convince us of this lie that we are too busy. But I can't do it now, but I'll do it another time. And you know what Pastor Ransford reminded us? The night comes, and the opportunity is not always going to be there. That's why there's a scripture that says, Seek the Lord while you can, while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. So I want to encourage you, church, to go back to those messages, because I believe that the Lord is wanting to do something through our church. And we'll talk a little bit more because I believe the Lord is shifting us and is focusing us and that God is going to see fruit out of my life and your life. The other one is the fruit of eternal life. Now, if you go to the last verse, verse that we read today, verse 20, it says that... Um, um, <clears throat> And the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, and even 100 falls. 100 times as much as had been planted. And I had to tie that, going back to the, some of the messages. If you listen to it, you will remember this. That evangelist John Magangi, when he spoke here, he said he was praying on the plane. You know, he said he was praying on the plane, just asking God, you know, I'm going to be in Lincoln tomorrow morning. And what do you want me to tell? So he's praying up there. And he says that the Lord gave him. He even wrote it down. He didn't want to speak it and misquote it. He, he wrote it down. He says that this church stands at the cups of a break, breaking forth. Effort has been made. And that heaven is pregnant with an answer. And that God will reward faithfulness. But there's a trigger that sets that in motion. He says that trigger is intentional stepping out. We have to be purposeful about stepping out. Because there's enough things. There's enough things in this life that distract our attention. God says we have to be intentional. Otherwise, you will not get anything done unless you are intentional. 
And so the Lord's been showing me some things, and I'm going to share in the next coming weeks of some of the things we could do that I believe will set us into capturing what God is trying to say. Second, I close with the scripture, and we'll do the rest later, because I'm excited to share this. Because what he said to me uh, when I was looking at that message, there's one verse that says, Commit your plan to the Lord, in Proverbs it says, and he will help you succeed. There are times we are praying and praying and praying and hoping and believing and wondering, and God says, you have a plan? He says, commit your plan to the Lord and he will help you succeed. And so I think the Lord's been clarifying a plan that we can intentionally as a, as a church step out together and see fruit, especially fruit that produces eternal life. So I close with this scripture in Second Chronicles 20, 20. It says, believe my word and you shall be established Believe my prophets, and you shall prosper. You shall succeed. You shall be successful. And I don't want to take the word lightly. I don't want to be like the ones that had the seed planted. I want to say, God, I, what do you want us to do with the word? How many would like to see fruit in their life? Amen. I, I want to see fruit. And I believe. My last, <clears throat> the very first time in my life, as I quoted that scripture, I want to end with a story. And then we'll do communion. Not a big story, actually, just. And how that scripture took meaning in my life. I've shared before how as a 16, 17-year-old kid, I met Jesus Christ. And he changed my life. Changed my life. And um, I've never looked back on serving him. But I remember I started feeling a stirring in my life. That maybe God has more purpose for my life than I realize. And, uh, you know, how many have ever gotten a stirring in your life? You're like, God, I feel like there's more here. I just can't put a finger in it. I don't really understand. But I feel like there's more here. How many can relate to that? And it is like God. And we would have a ministry one time at our church. And it was prophetic ministry. And, uh, and I got called out. And what amazed me is the very first time I got called out in a meeting and the Lord spoke through a servant of God and spoke a word to me. And to this day I remember the phrase, the opening phrase and everything because it melted my heart because God cuts right through what he knows. Because how many know God knows us? Better than we are even, even when we're very conscious and aware of ourselves, God knows us better than we know ourselves. I remember that he started speaking to me and looked right at me. I'm sitting there just like, God, just, one, I'm just in awe that I got called out. And the word started, is like, I've had my hand on your life. And many years, even before you knew my voice, I protected you. And that just sunk in a deep place in my heart that, melted my heart because God knows everything he knows your inner thoughts he understands you more than anybody could ever understand you and in just seconds it's like 
all these thoughts and backgrounds, it's like a video flash that plays of all your life and you, re you realize that that word is true. Because I know, even before I really knew who God was, that he had always had his hand in my life. He protected me from places that I could have gone. Even when I wanted to cause trouble, God, Lord, kept me. I tried to jump out of a ravine or whatever, or the lake of fire, and the Lord snatched me. Because I know if it had not been for the goodness of the Lord, I wouldn't be where I was. But the context of that um, prophecy was to not give up praying for your family. Don't give up praying for your family. Every one of them will come. See, I'm repeating a prophecy that's over 20 years old because that's how clear. And I'm going to tell you why I'm telling you the story. See, I'm Matthew, not Mark. Some of you caught it. They were paying attention at the beginning. That all of them will come to the Lord. All of them. Some will come easy. Some will come hard. But don't give up because they will all come. You know what a relief that was? But it was also a lot of encouraging. The essence of my story is this. I believed. I believed. And I've kept that in my heart. Just when family has a way of making you discouraged sometimes. Even though, I mean, love family, they are good. But it's like family when you are on your mountaintop, woo, doing good. They just throw something at you. You're like, oh, geez, you're just like, right? Oh, no, you guys are coming, come from perfect families, right? Mother-in-laws and father-in-laws and brothers or whatever. Families have a way sometimes. How many know that there's a, when, when, when they, that, those moments come and you have a word from the Lord that says, I know, I know, I know. I may not even see it all, but I believe the word of the Lord. Even if it's in their deathbed, they shall call on the name of I know that I will see all of them in heaven. You know how that keeps you praying? And I kept praying. And I know that I got to see at least my immediate family, even though I knew right for who would be had and who would not. And it almost played out this, that same way. But all of them came to the Lord. All of them were redeemed. Second Chronicles 2020. Believe my word and you shall be established. Believe my prophets and you shall prosper. Sometimes people just hear the word and it comes out. And the message today was let's be the ones that are good soils. That when God plants a seed, he can reap 30, 60, 100 folds. In Jesus' name, amen. Did you receive something today? Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? I'm going to pray right now. And communion team, would you come up? In fact, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to save the prayer for when we take communion. We're solidified. God's speaking to you today. We're going to pray over the, the elements.
today. Would you sing this song with? Oh, you, oh I'm going too fast, right? <laughs>